Extraordinary Church Growth, The Power of Prayer, and Learning from Those Who've Gone Ahead of Us. Adam Weber is our guest this week discussing what he's learned from leading one of the fastest-growing churches in America. It's all in Episode 57 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now, here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 57 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host, and this week our guest is Adam Weber. Adam is the lead pastor at Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Embrace is a nine-year-old church that has grown to five campuses and four, over 4,000 people in weekly attendance and is still growing. In 2013, 2014, and 2015, Embrace was listed as one of the fastest-growing churches in America, according to Outreach Magazine. Adam shares with us about some of the unique growing pains that their church has experienced and gives us wisdom that they've learned along the way. And now... Here's my conversation with Adam Weber. Well, Adam, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. It's a fantastic and a complete honor to be here. And you're the pastor at um, Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, correct? I am. And so tell us about the story of Embrace. It's, it's been on the list. We've had it as in our outreach magazine on the list of fastest growing churches in America. So tell us about kind of the story of how God led you to be a part of this church. Yeah, our, our story is, is quite crazy. Honestly, it's been just amazing since day one to see the Lord move. And so I went to, to business school for my undergrad. I never expected to be a pastor my, myself. Actually, it's the last thing I ever thought. Uh, I always thought I'd work in an ad agency of some kind. Um, God had just recently been working and changed my life later on in high school. So I got to college and and then a, a pastor who actually led me to Christ encouraged me to consider being a pastor. And I kind of brushed it off. Uh, before my summer, uh, uh, the summer before my senior year of college, I filled in for a pastor, and within the first week, it, I knew it's what I was supposed to do. So I uh, graduated from college, went to seminary, and um, entering in my third year of seminary, that same pastor who led me to Christ reached out, and, uh, and I was in Kentucky at the time, and he said, uh, we're, we're thinking about starting a church in Sioux Falls. What do you, what do you think? And I said, actually, um, I kind of told him the same thing I told him when he asked me about being a pastor. I said, well, I'm just not really sure, and I, I actually don't think it's a very good idea. And I don't know if Sioux Falls needs another church. Now I would say the complete opposite, but I said, well, you know, and he said the thing that every pastor says to make you feel guilty. He said, uh, why don't you pray about it? And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. And I don't honestly don't think I ever did, but he found out I was coming back to, to South Dakota to do a wedding, and um, he heard about it, and he called me and he said, hey, I hear you're um, coming back to South Dakota for the weekend. I was like, I am. And he's like, how about this? How about you send an email and I'll send an email and we'll see who shows up. And so we did, cause I thought it was the best way for no one to show up and, and kind of move on from the idea, but we did. And, um, that was September 4th, 2006. And that night we had 32 people show up. Wow. And, um, I remember, uh, this pastor being thrilled. I mean, he, his smile, you couldn't wipe it off his face. And he came up to me after the night and he said, this was amazing. Wasn't it? And I was like, oh, God, I thought this was going to be a way out of this. And, mm. and he said, how about this? How about once a month we fly you back and um, to do a service? And so I'm a 1,000 miles away starting this church, which, again, is the worst way to start a church. Uh, our, our first year, like, I wouldn't do anything that we did uh, again. Um, but I'd come back once a month preach and once a month preach. And um, I thought it was a, actually a terrible idea. Um, but God began to work and move. And so that was really our start and how it, how it came about. Yeah. And so when you were in seminary, what were you, what were your thoughts? Like, what were, what did you think you were going to go do? Um, my thoughts was that it was foolish. I had friends in seminary who 
one one particular who's dreamt since middle school about starting a church and and so all throughout seminary he was talking about the name and all that kind of thing and i never had that so i i really didn't feel like i i could plan a church or could start a church because i just it wasn't a dream of mine and so i'd come back and i every time i'm like what am i doing like i don't Honestly, I didn't even know if I wanted to move back to South Dakota. We found out that every place in the country doesn't have 40 below uh, winters. And so I was mm. like, why would we ever go back? So that was a part <laughs> of it. But I, I just, I really thought it was foolish. And yet in hindsight, for me, it was it was so powerful because our first three years were really hard. We didn't grow out of the gate. Three years in, we were actually almost closed. And since then, I've grown rapidly. But it was so cool in both seasons of struggling and now a seasons of seeing God move to have that because in the midst of struggling, I remember praying different times like, God, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know why we're doing this. And every single time I, I really was honest and saying that to the Lord, um, it was just like God was just saying, but Adam, you know I called you to be here. And so this maybe wasn't your idea and this wasn't your dream and this wasn't whatever, um, but maybe this was mine and this was mine for you. And so... During those first three years of really struggling, um, it was so comforting to come back to know, like, God, this was your plan, not mine. And so I can find confidence to continue going forward because of that. And now on the flip side, you, you know, what, whatever, just God moving in awesome ways. And how do you keep, how do you stay humble, all that kind of stuff? If I have any humility, it's forced because, yeah, I'm the furthest thing from having anything figured out. But what I love about that same thing now is, if for a moment I ever thought the church was because of me and my cleverness and my strategy and whatever, I feel like the Lord would just be like, what? Like, I thought this was mine. And, um, and so that's one of the things that just keeps you totally grounded because I know the truth of the matter. I'm the same Yahoo that I was those first three years, and it's only the Lord that is able to do awesome things. Yeah, and so tell us the, the rest of the story. Um, you know, this, the church has ex- enjoyed incredible growth and is thriving. So to kind of tell us about how, how that can, came about. Yeah, so, uh, so I, we started again in September 2006. Uh, we moved, my wife and I and our oldest um, um, at the time, we moved back to Sioux Falls in 2007. So it kept going. August of 2009 is when we were talking about possibly closing the church. That next month is when we went to morning services. So prior to that, we were meeting at another church on Sunday evenings, and I just felt in my gut, I was like, oh, if we can get to a Sunday morning, we'll grow. And so I was just, I'm like, oh, I just think we will. And I, I never knew how much of an impact it was. So we moved to Sunday morning services September um, 9, 2011, and literally one day, really more specifically three hours, we over doubled in size. And so it went at, from struggling to one, like, three hours we doubled I was like oh my goodness what just happened like for a high before that it was like 110 people and in one morning we went to like 260 and so I was like oh okay that's just going to be excitement but it's going to wear off and then the next week it's like no there's going to be more people that come and then the next week more people come and then the next week more people are coming and so it's just and I was as big a doubter as anybody I'm like what is going on here where are you people coming from you know and so we just continued to grow and grow and grow. And um, we got to about 400 in size at the space we were at. And a person in the church came and said, hey, I heard there's a Lutheran church that's just kind of upgrading buildings and their old buildings coming available. And I was just like, wow, I, we can't afford that. So why would we even con- consider that? And so we, we did. And um, 
we were able to, to put together a lease. So there was a daycare that leased part of it that was totally unconnected to us. And we took the other part and we moved in there and began to grow and grow and grow and some more and just continued to grow. We added, a, you know, we were up to four services at that point and we were just like, okay, okay, okay. So we were going to do an expansion on our building and that fell through. We, um, uh, we just weren't able to do it. And so, which was so hard, we had spent six months of planning and we're going to go with that. What was so cool is back in August, 2009, literally the same month we were looking at closing, there was a man who came to me, who was a co- like a church coach or whatever. And he said, I just want to tell you, this church is going to grow and grow and grow. And I thought he was nuts. And he's like, and I want you to consider when you're going to launch your first, first campus multi-site. And I was like, did this guy hear anything I said? Because we are like on the verge of dying. But anyways, kind of fast forward. So we were doing, you know, we were going to do the expansion that fell through. And 15 minutes later is when we decided to go multi-site. Because <laughs> we were just like, we didn't do something. We're running out of room. So that, that day is when we decided to go multi-site. Um, so fast forward even more. Um, we now have uh, four physical campuses along with one online. So five campus total. And um, we have um, three of the campuses are kind of local to Sioux Falls. And then last November, we launched our first campus out of state on the east metro of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis area. So it's wow. kind of the, uh, the quick and dirty on it. Yeah, that's so exciting just that your church has grown so quickly. Um, and with that growth, I'm sure there have been some growth pains. I mean, so what, are, what have been some of the challenges that you, your team, you and your team have had to overcome with such rapid growth? Yeah, we, I was able to hang out with Nikki Gumbel two weeks ago at HDB Church, and someone said, when does it start getting easier? And he said, if you move forward and are faithful, never. And I think all of us were kind of, sh- I, it's weird. I think we were all shocked still. It was like, really? Never? Like, oh, like maybe sometime? Like, I was kind of hoping he'd say something. And so um, it, it, I would say the same thing he said. If you are faithful to God and, and, and pursuing the Lord and pursuing what it looks like to be the church, it's gonna, you're going to have challenges and trials every step of the way, and that would be true. Um, one of the things that was really a hard transition for me and it, it was um, a season that brought me to my knees was just the change that I had to make even being a pastor. So, um, again, we had those three years of hard growth. And then the in three hours, we began rapid growth. So it was like, man, we were trying to do everything to grow. And then we were growing so fast we couldn't handle it. And um, about so about six years in, I just hit a season of burnout, like just burnout. And I, I had heard about burnout in seminary and and I always used to just think that's, you know, maybe looking back, it was arrogant of me, but I always thought like, that's for pastors who don't know how to work hard. That's for pastors who aren't passionate about Jesus. And so I wrote it off as that would never happen to me uh, slowly, but surely it did. And so uh, in the midst of that season, I haven't even, I didn't even come up to the reality that I was burnt out. I mean, I, you just kind of go through the motions so well. And I met with a pastor who was actually between churches and he grabbed me for coffee and he had pastored a larger church. So we met, I know exactly the restaurant, even where we sat, because it was such a big deal to me. So he, he, we small talked for a while. He didn't know really anything about me. He had attended Embrace for a few weeks between his next church. And he said, um, are, are, you, are you struggling with your position? And I said, I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mate, I don't, I'm not sure. What? Uh, what? And he's like, um, let me just kind of explain this. He, he, and he said, there's three different types of churches. There's small, medium, and large. In a small church, um, really your position is friend, as a pastor, to come alongside people. And mid-sized church is to be a more of an administrator in many ways. And 
um, the, the large size church is to be a visionary. And he said, Adam, you're a great friend, pastor. He's like, every time we meet, you send a thank you note and you just love, you know, like you, you just care for me so well and really are present. And he's like, but just judging you, like you probably wouldn't make a very good administrator. That just doesn't seem like it'd be your skill set. And I also see really a visionary pastor in you. And um, so he said, Let me, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but are, are you potentially stressed? And I was like, again, I'm like, I, I don't really know. And he's like, because here's kind of reality. He's like, you started Embrace, so you're really good at, at, at a friend. But Embrace is really a mid-sized church, and so majority of your job is administration that you're probably not very good at. But you also know you're a visionary. Something's inside you. So you, most of your time is spent doing something you're not good at while you're still trying to be this other person, while you're trying to be this other person. And he's like, that's stressful. And in the middle of this restaurant, I started bawling, like just sobbing, like uncontrollably. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he just read my soul, you know, and I was sobbing uncontrollably. And so I finally got caught a grip on myself. And he just said, um, I feel like you have a few different options. Because I just said, I was like, you just like pegged me. And he said, you can stay what you, how you're doing and you'll probably barely survive and you'll be another person who leaves ministry. You can look to hire someone to come along, come alongside you that's strong in that administration thing. Um, or you can try to push that to that large church as quick as you can just for the sake of survival. But he said, I don't know if you're going to make it. And so I, the next week I scheduled a, a time with our lead team just to explain what was said. And before the meeting even began, someone asked me how I was doing, which was another trigger point. I just started bawling. <laughs> like, I was like, and they're just like, they were like shell shocked. They're like, who is this man? <laughs> so, so that was just a season of really learning how I needed to, to what my role looked like. And I think that's something for all of us pastors to continue. Like, what is my role? And what is the, the role that the church really needs for this season? But more important than the next and also realizing that no, uh, all of us are wired for different sized churches, and that doesn't make any of us more or less important. I think that's something too. Like, all of us are needed. The body of Christ is needed, and so whatever your skill set is, and whatever your passion is, really to live into that instead of trying to be something else, really living into that. And so I, I think that was something that I really needed to learn was what is my role as a pastor. So that was a, a long answer, but that was one of the biggest things I needed to. Now that's that's fantastic because I think a lot of times pastors feel that that pressure you have to be good at everything, and so in the in this just the freedom to be able to have somebody in your life that you can say, you know, here's what I'm going through, here's what I'm dealing with, and I think a lot of times God brings these people into our lives to show us here's what you need to do, like a Jethro to Moses, yeah, you know, like here's here's this is a critical moment, so that's a powerful story. Ah. Uh. And it, it was, it's also huge, like, um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, um, a firm believer in reaching people for Jesus. And when you do that well, your church is going to grow. But bigger isn't more important, you know? So, uh, yes, your church should grow. But, again, really, like, coming to terms with the fact of, like, God, I, I'm, I'm really created to start new churches and pastor smaller congregations and maybe bring them to that midsize but I'm not really a good administrative pastor. And so that's really not my skill set. So kind of figuring out like, but I'm a, I'm a mid-sized pastor. I'm a great administrator. Man, the church has really outgrown me in many ways. And so I need to hand this off to a, a visionary and really beginning to kind of come to terms with that, I think is a huge thing because um, I would not make a, a, a very good mid-sized 
church pastor. I really wouldn't. And so just knowing that about myself and being okay with that, I think it's important for us to, to figure out. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you have a book coming out. Uh, you've One of the things that God's put on your heart is to write a book on prayer. And so I know it's, you know, it's, it still hasn't come out. It's not coming out for a little bit. But what can you tell us about kind of yeah. how God stirred up your heart to, to write a book? Oh, that's good. I was just asked that yesterday, and uh, I'm probably the last person who ever thought they would write a book and maybe who ever should write a book. <laughs> and and um, it was one of those things where I didn't pursue it, really pursued me in many ways. And um, for many different reasons, I didn't want to. I, you know, it just seems like everybody wants to write a book, and so I inherently didn't want to write a book just because of that. Um, but I also, um, it's so much safer to stay right where we are and not take a step of faith. And so part of it was like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to be rejected. And so it's much safer to stay right where we are. And, and yet God calls us to walk by faith. And so it's like when the opportunity came to me of just, you know, I may not get a, a book deal at this time. I was like, I may not get a book, get a book deal. And they might, they might say it's not good. Like, so that was definitely a scary thing. And he had, God was just like, are you going to take the step of faith? So it did. And so excited, um, writing a book with Waterbrook Multnomah and pumped about it. So it's really the heart of the book is just a, a, what does prayer look like in the midst of life? What does it look like in the midst of reality? You know, like what does it look like in uh, as I'm a, I'm a dad, I have four young kids. I don't know how I have four, four kids, but I do. I'm still trying to figure out how, how kids come about, but uh, so four, four young kids married. My, my wife's incredible. She's a saint, got this church, all these different things. What does it look like to, to pray in the midst of that? You know, changing diapers and mowing the lawn trying you know just like laundry like all those things like what does it look like to pray in the midst of that and and also a, a book on prayer that's truly approachable to anyone was really my heart's desire more and more like just again this last week i had a had a fella just reach out to me just going through some some hard times in his life and um he just said i just don't know how to pray like i i don't i really don't know what to say like and um, he's like, I just feel like I got to get the right words and I got to say it perfectly. I'm like, no, no, it's actually just the opposite. Like whatever is inside of you is what God wants to hear. And so just those simple things, that's really my heart behind the book is whether it's a, a friend who doesn't know the Lord or doesn't even go to church, a book on prayer that you can hand to, um, to also the seasoned Christian who maybe feels like they still fall short, that you can hand it to them as well. Just a, a book on prayer that really meets people where they are and and my nerdiness kind of comes out throughout all of it. And so <laughs> I almost want to apologize to people before they read it. I am officially a nerd. And so um, it's just kind of a lighthearted approach on um, a matter that's so deep and important. And so that's really my heart behind the book. Yeah. And what did you learn through the process of, of writing the book? I think a, a lot of people say that, you know, it's it's like giving birth to a child. I mean, it's just <laughs> such so difficult. But, and you know, I mean, we're men, so we don't really know what that's like. <laughs> But but talk about like kind of what you learned just through the process of of putting all these thoughts down. Yeah, it 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 is a process. I will never look at a bookstore the same. <laughs> I'm just like I, I walk through a bookstore now and I'm like, oh, the heartache that all these people put themselves through, because it it is uh, it's hard. I mean, it's it's uh, for me the best way to explain it. It's like a a message, like a sermon, uh, that's a whole lot longer, and so. Um, carrying a theme throughout the book and all that kind of thing. It was just, it was fun to learn something that I'd never, never done before. So it, I, I love to learn things that are new. So, but also just, it was cool to, to dive in head first on something that I personally wanted to jump into prayer. And so it was like, man, I get to spend this time, this season, like 
learning about something that I, I love, man, it was amazing. And, and get to read all these classic books on prayer, like that's unbelievable. And so I, I really learned a lot about myself and also just the importance of being pushed by people. And at Embrace, we have a, a high culture of pushback is what we call it. Um, just really like pushing each other in a, in a good way to create something even better. So even with my messages each week, I preach half of my message on Tuesday to probably six to eight people. And they have all my notes. Um, it might seem old school, but I'm a manuscript preacher. So, uh, you know, not this big, fancy, noteless person. Uh, maybe at some point I'll get there. But so they have my notes in front of me and they, they um, I call it the firing squad because they unleash on me. Like, oh, I don't think that makes sense or that joke really didn't hit or, man, is, is there anything deeper? Like, can you press even deeper into the scripture, Adam? So then on, on Thursday, I bring the whole thing to a group that's even bigger. They all have it. I give it to them. And again, the firing squad happens. Hmm. So um, that, that's a process that I really appreciate. And now I can't imagine preaching without it. But uh, back to the book, uh, that's what happened with every single chapter. And the, the book as a whole, I was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> okay. And so um, from the editor to a group of friends that read through it, it, it was really a process of being refined and pushed. And um, I wanted to stop over and over and over again. Um, but they were just like, there's more, there's more, there's more. And what about a chapter on this part of prayer? And I'm like, man, I never thought about that. And actually the stuff that was pushed out of me is, is probably my favorite content in the entire book. Wow. That's really powerful. Um, as you were, you know, learning for the book and reading, as you said, um, was there a book that, that like kind of became your favorite, like of all the classics and these different things? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to prayer, I'm a huge fan of Richard Foster. And so, um, uh, his book on prayer and even his celebration of discipline have always been, um, huge. So I was given celebration of discipline my very first semester of seminary. It was, um, my professor, that was one of the books. And um, so even just to revisit his writings on prayer um, was huge. That, so that was definitely one um, for me that just his writing is so powerful. It's, it's all so approachable. I mean, it, um, and, it, and it keeps the legalism out of it. He does such a good job of really addressing legalism and like, nope, 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 don't turn it into this like thing that you do. Like prayer is just an instrument. Like don't make prayer a God, you know, like don't like do that because – even I think Jesus addresses that, like, no, you, you do it to be seen and to be all fancy and stuff. Like, you miss the heart of it. Instead, like, pray like you're talking with your father, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's probably my the one that comes to the surface the most is his stuff is so good. Yeah, what would you say, like, when people come to you and they're they're asking about prayer or wanting to grow in prayer, what are what are some of the things that you are feel yourself constantly teaching people or reminding people about our prayer lives? Yeah, um, I think just saying exactly what's inside of you. Like, God, why haven't you healed my dad? My own dad is going through a physical thing, and I, that's a prayer I've prayed so many times for my dad. Like, why haven't you healed him? And so, um, and also just things like, uh, if you're tired, Lord, I'm exhausted. Or if you see a sunset, God, you're an awesome creator. Like, I, one of the things I often pray throughout the day is, Lord, I love you. You know, and I get a text from my wife that says, I love you. And it's, it's the highlight of my day. And I think that God's the same way. Like, man, you're God, you're so faithful. Like, I think those, those small things, like it doesn't have to be this, and this long drawn out thing. And also it shouldn't be set apart from our lives. That's the other thing. Like, you know, brother Lawrence would, would was, a, you know, kind of a main person to point that out. Like you're washing dishes. Like 
thank him for the dishes and for the time and for just that time to connect with him. So I think, I think that's the thing I continually say is like, just say exactly what's on your heart. Like exactly. Uh, you know, a, a, a guy, a couple weeks back, I just said, uh, maybe your prayers each morning is Lord, I don't know how to love my wife, but would you help me? You know, he just didn't know how to love his wife. She's going through a struggle. And so I just said, maybe pray that. And I think there's also another thing that I, I, I keep coming back to and, is there something powerful about um, getting on your knees and praying too? Like I, I've really found power in that as well because um, it forces us out of our box. And there's something when you physically do that that's a humbling thing. It's like, wow, am I, you know, you even say to yourself, am I really getting on my knees? Like this kind of feels weird. You know, like why am I doing this? But there's something powerful about getting on your knees before God physically. So, uh, I, you know, I told someone like, you know, maybe start your morning on your knees just really quick. Like, like I'm talking like four minutes, don't like not 20 minutes. And if you're maybe embarrassed and you don't want your wife catching you on your knees praying, I was like, go in the bathroom before you shower and lock the door. (laughs) I was like, that may be the weirdest thing ever. (laughs) Like, why are you locking the door? But just get on your knees, like really, really quick. And and, um, just get on your knees. Because I said, um, I think there's also something powerful about even hearing it if you're a pastor or a leader, a small group leader, even hearing other people uh, like into your own private like prayer life. And so like I told someone the other day, I was like, the first thing I did this morning right over there was I got on my knees and I prayed, you know, and they're just like, wow. I think that kind of takes the weirdness out of it. And even just to tell people, it's going to be weird at first. Like the first time you get on your knees and pray, if you've never done it before, it's going to be awkward. But I think those two things have been the, been recently what I've been telling people is just say exactly what's on your heart. Don't edit it. You're not writing a book. Like, you know, like just say exactly. And also something that's so comforting to know is um, different points in the Bible it talks about like basically God understanding, like um, even in the Psalms, uh, before a uh, word is on your tongue, I know it, you know it completely, oh Lord. And and also like um, God basically being able to understand the groans of our heart. Like, because sometimes um, good and bad situations, there's times when I'm, I'm in awe of, of, of God's goodness and faithfulness and I'm almost uh, frustrated with myself that I can't put into words just exactly what I'm feeling. Like I'm like, God, you're so faithful and like this is so awesome and you're so amazing that I'm like, I feel like I'm still not capturing like what's in me. And then there's other times when you're broken and you're just like, I don't know, even know how to say I'm sorry. Like I don't, I don't even know how to like put this into words and I, I think that's encouraging to know is um, unlike human beings where you really do need to say it to them, it's so comforting to know like that prayer maybe is silent and it's like God just like understanding what's in us without even speaking it. And that's, that's a wonderful thing for me too. Again, on the good and bad because I just find myself frustrated that I can't find the right word. Like I'm like, I'm looking for a word. And I, I think that's something that's so cool for God because he's like, I'm indescribable. So actually you're like, you're worshiping me by, by doing that. Cause you, you grasp my faithfulness because you can't explain it. You know? Mm. So I think there's pretty powerful about that too. That's really good. I, I, I love the, the thought of, I think so many times in our, in our interactions with each other, we hold back our emotion. Like yeah. we, we are, we, it's like we're taught that or, or just, we naturally do that. We don't want to make uh. a great show of emotion. And it, I love what you're saying because I think it, it gives us the freedom to, be emotional creatures with God and let our emotions spill out into our prayers. 
And I mean, I think even back the ways I was first taught to pray, it was very rote and very, you know, make sure you say the right things. And I think that there is a freedom that comes when you can just say, no, we can express when we're sad or angry or are frustrated that we have a God who, who wants to connect with us at an emotional level. Oh, no, no question. And like more and more, I'm just seeing that throughout the word too. Like, um, uh, even when Paul says, I want to know Christ, that word know is a fairly like intimate word, you know, like it's, uh, it was also used to basically describe love making with a spouse. You know, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty intimate. And also, um, even like, uh, cry out, Abba Father. Just, um, so our, our little girl, she's five. She's a little bit sassy every so often and she'll call my wife, Becky, instead of mom. And, um, man, there's, uh, that's just, it, it just feels weird when she says it and it's almost disrespectful in, in some ways. And it's like, but everybody else calls you Becky. Why is that weird? And whatever. And it's because it's like, because it's such a deep relationship. Like, you know, like, no, call me mom. Like, that's what well, I say to Grayson. I'm like, Grayson, no, you need to call mom, mom. Like, don't call her Becky. And it's like, isn't that crazy when you think about with God, like our mm. father, like, no, it actually hurts if you don't have that personal touch to it like like i'm your father you know like it would be almost disrespectful to call me something else like that personalness is so i just think that's so cool to think about like man he wants us to call father that's awesome yeah out if you were to go back and uh, and be able to give yourself one piece of advice go back to your 20 year old self and and give yourself one piece of advice as you're heading off into ministry into pastoral ministry what would you What would you go back and tell yourself? Oh my goodness, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I'd have so many things. That's why yeah. I love this question. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> First off, uh, on a shallow uh, thing, I would say enjoy your hair while it lasts because <laughs> you will be bald when you get thirty. <laughs> I'd say just go run your hands through your hair one more time. No, <laughs> but but um, I think um, I think it's probably the same thing I tell myself right now. Like. Make sure your your roots in, in Christ are as deep as they possibly can be. And um, the one thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus. Like, that's first. That's first. That's first. Don't lose sight of that. Like, deeper and deeper. And, and you thought you knew God's goodness and faithfulness then. You don't even have a clue, buddy. You know? Because what he's going to do and what he's able to do is so much greater. And so I, I think just so that simpleness of, like, make sure your roots are deep. I think the other thing I would say is, um, again, something I would say to myself right now is find someone uh, in different areas of your life, whether it's um, their walk with Christ that you respect or them as a church leader that you respect or them as an entrepreneur or as a leader that you respect, like surround yourselves with, with others who are steps in front of you and don't reach out to a person and say, will you be my mentor? Reach out to a person and say, can I grab coffee with you? And I just got some questions to ask and. And, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I find that people rarely say no to those things. I think they'd be freaked out maybe a little bit if you said mentor because it's like, what does that mean? But when you find out, it's like it's just coffee. And then at the end of coffee, maybe say, hey, would you mind if I reached out to you again in, in two months and get another cup of coffee? Because I just got – I'll probably have questions that come about. So that's the two things that I'd probably say that I, I wish I'd have done more because now I'm finding myself, like, um, begging people to surround me. Because I see so much importance. It's like, hey, can I just grab you for five minutes and just ask you a couple questions? Because there's things that you know that I don't. And so just that heart of humility, I, I'd i say to myself and anybody else to constantly keep, um, 
even embrace like uh, hey, Adam, you're fastest growing church. Like you have church planning figured out and whatever else. I'm like, I don't have anything figured out. Um, if I started another church tomorrow in another part of the country, it could fail, you know? So I have the kind of that fear of God in me and also like a constant learner. Like we are never done learning. Um, a close friend of mine is a guy named Roger Fredrickson. He's 96 years old back in South Dakota. He's a legend pastor. I mean, legendary. And, um, just even asking about his prayer life, I just said, Hey Roger, do you think you, and, uh, two times ago that I was there, uh, Richard Foster called while we were hanging out. I mean, he's friends with Richard wow. Foster, like good friends, uh, before, uh, Dallas passed away with Dallas Willard, all this kind of thing. I'm like, who in the world? Like, who are you? And so, um, but I said, do you feel like you have prayer figured out? And he said like, Adam, I feel like I'm only just beginning. And I'm like, okay, like, okay, I, I got that humility answer, but no, really. Like, do you think you have prayer figured out? And it was just like, he's just like, I feel like I'm just starting out. It's like, no way. And he's like, I feel like I'm just starting to really know the heart of God. And I'm like, you've been a pastor like three times the amount of time that I've been alive, like at least twice. And you feel like you're just still understanding God's heart. That's amazing. So, mm. yep. That's such a good answer. And I love that. Just always learning. And, uh, Always been learning. We recently here at Outreach took uh, Strengths Finders. All the staff took the Strengths Finders test, and my number one came up learner. And I was like, oh. it, it was like this confirmation, like oh, that's why I love to read so much. <laughs> exactly. So, but I, yeah, yeah, I found out so much about my soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that explains so much. So, well, Adam, thank you so much for being with us on the show. The time has flown by, and there are so many other things I would have loved to ask you, but we, we have to cut it off for now. So thanks so much for being with us. Oh, just again, an honor and so grateful to be with you. Thanks again to Adam Weber for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and consider sending this episode to someone you know who might benefit from listening to it. Also, you can always download the show notes for each episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes, we include resources that were mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve the show or guests that you'd love to hear us talk to, email us at podcast at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.